the volume. Hey guys, it's the Sessions presented by FanDuel. It might be cold, but the sports calendar is heating up, baby, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and so, so easy to use. FanDuel always has exclusive offers, boosts, and more. And when you win, you're gonna get paid real fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like with the spread, money line, over, under, team totals, player props, and so much more. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same game parlay to try out the same game parlay plus. Get in on that. And... FanDuel is now live in Maryland, y'all. So use the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. I thought like when I stopped drinking, it'd just be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to feel like a million dollars and yeah. just fucking kid. But it doesn't work like that when you've been drinking and using drugs to, you know, excess more or less going on, you know, like 18 years. Your body. Yeah, but you've not been on drugs, though. Just to like clarify. Well, I mean, and not me, but anybody here. You know yeah, I mean? like, okay. Uh, yeah, I was just making or that whatever clear. it is. You know what I mean? You, yeah. uh, your body needs time to like adjust. You know what I mean? When I first uh, wrestled again, so I came back in January, and it was weird. Like uh, just being in the ring was weird. It felt strange. Like I came back and did a promo, and that was cool because I didn't have to do anything physical. I just got chalked. I was like super relaxed. So my first match back, you think it's just going to be like, oh, okay, well now you're sober. So you're just going to feel like a million dollars. It doesn't really work like that. And like, I was weird. It was like my legs were in quicksand. I didn't have any adrenaline. Not that I didn't have any adrenaline so much as like, I wasn't nervous or like, I, and it's hard to put into words, but it used to be like this big, long giant process to get ready to go out and do a match or wrestle is like this transformation to be ready to go to the ring. And I think people who probably don't, you know, spend their lives, you know, like 
partying too much or whatever, probably like take for granted just waking up in the morning and feeling good. I feel like I'm cheating. Mm-hmm. Like the novelty hasn't fully worn off. Of like not having a hangover. Yeah. Yeah. Just like waking up and being like, okay. Like I don't have to worry about like being massively dehydrated or feeling like crap or whatever. Like for me, it's almost like, oh, I got like a cheat code or something, you know? But like that first match, I felt terrible. Like I just felt like off. Like it was weird. Mm-hmm. I can't really explain it. Like I was just like chemically imbalanced and like it was strange. And then like it got a little better the next match and the next match. I finally wrestled Brian at a pay-per-view. And we more or less just went to the ring like the first time I ever met him. Just kind of got in the ring and just wrestled. Then I kind of started feeling my mojo again. Yeah. I was like, but it took me like a month or something. How much like, did that just, scare you to like have that feeling of like, oh my God, am I going to get back to getting that mojo? Like, who is this new person that I am all of a sudden? Oh yeah, it was stressful. I was like, oh no, do I suck now? This sucks. <laughs> right, right. But then uh, very quickly got uh, got my mojo back. So it's somewhere in the middle of that match with Brian, I think. Something snapped back. It's hard to explain. Stella got her groove. And then it's been like better and better. Now I'm having a pretty good year, man. Having like yeah. a ton of fun. Having a bunch of really good matches. Uh, starting to like really put everything together as far as like the style I want to do. The style I kind of even was picturing like three something years ago, like while I was hurt in WWE after freaking work every night for two months with a torn tricep. Yeah. And I was off. And I've talked about this before, you know, I was like in rehab when I rehab for the tricep or whatever, when I realized like I wanted to leave and started watching other wrestling and stuff. But even like way back then when I was picturing what I wanted to do and what I wanted to become in the ring, it was, it looked something like, what you're seeing now mm-hmm. all that long ago and it's been a lot so it's been like you know evolving in the ring and constantly trying new stuff and getting better and you know you always keep learning and keep growing well, and keep i don't getting think better. a lot of people do though like i, I actually want to like give you credit for that because i don't think a lot of people always want to grow and work and try to get better i think sometimes people think that they like got the keys to the castle and that they have it figured out and you become really stagnant. And I think that's something that you've been awesome at I is mean, not being stagnant. You are not a standstill person. You got to constantly like learning and growing. And I like, mean, you got to evolve, evolve with the business. You see a lot in this business, people who are still stuck in whatever year they were, that Had they come from. Or, They're yeah. stuck in the eighties or the seventies or the two thousand or whatever it is when like the business is totally different than it was. Even 10 years ago, I was yeah. talking about this with uh, some of the kids and I talked about it a little bit after some the show. of the kids, you old man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, but it's wild. Well, they were just asking, just like, you know, just talking to some of these kids that are training like less than a year at the GCW show in New York. And it kind of hit me while I was talking to them because I'm like, I don't really have any answers for anything, you know. You know, it's just like experience. You just got to get experience. I, I don't know. That's my, my answer when people ask me about anything. I go, I don't know. Get experience. Because it's one of the things I said to him was like, there is no one right or wrong answer as far as pro wrestling is yeah. concerned to almost anything. I said, everything I tell you could turn out to be crap. If somebody tells you this is the way it is and this is the way it needs to be done and this is right, they might be really smart, but take all that with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Make your own decisions. Uh, use your own brain. Look at the people. 
what are the people into what's working what's not because i was brought up on a bunch of certain stuff i think i talk about this in the book you know like yeah you had a book come out in this last year like yeah that's a whole god there's so many like layers to what this year has been the audio book just came out and yeah. That's over, man. <laughs> I'm so sick of that book. <laughs> like, I'm too close to it now. No, I'm, I hate it. I never want to read it again. But, uh, you know, I, I came up in the Les Thatcher, you know, system of like getting caught talking about your match before the show was like a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all about calling the ring, like, oh, these kids in the ring two hours before the show talking about their spots. <laughs> uh, and, hardcore wrestling quote unquote or whatever was garbage and all this and that. And, you know, that's how I that I was taught that this is the way. And in WWE, they tell you a lot of stuff. You got to do this and this and this. This is the way it needs to be done. There's all this stuff that's just wrong. This is like totally wrong and is demonstrably wrong now with AEW on a national level. You know what I say? Oh, you, you're doing too much or you're not selling. Grab a hold, you know, all this fucking shit. Like, there's so many matches I have now that, like, that I literally couldn't do in WWE. Mm-hmm. Vince would just flip his lid. For instance, like, I don't know, off the top of my head, like, me and Eddie versus the Young Bucks. Great match. Guarantee you Vince would hate it. He'd be like, oh, you're not selling. You're doing too much. Or whatever. Les would probably hate it, you know, for similar reasons. Because there's so many different styles, yeah. you know. Things in Japan work that, you know, somebody would look at and go, that's stupid. That doesn't make sense. But in the in the universe of Japanese psychology, it works. In, yeah. the, in the context of deathmatch psychology, some stuff works. There's like all kinds of God, different. I really want to do a podcast with you that's all on deathmatch psychology. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, okay. and that you know, that's it. There's all these different, and lucha has got its own thing. I mean, think of like in the in the universe of WWE, Santino's Cobra <laughs> yeah. could knock a 300 pound man out cold, and people believe it and know it, and it's part of that construct mm-hmm. you know what i mean so like there's no no right or wrong and you know you can take from everybody but don't let anybody tell you this is the way just Doesn't keep learning you know this is what i told yeah. them there's so many shows now like the gcw audience the aew audience i think on the whole is like this too uh defy wrestling like mm-hmm. all these places where i mean i'm talking about this type of specific indie show where like where like it's almost more like a concert where everybody comes and they know the band and they know their songs and they come to have a good time and they want it. You want to they see wa- the they want to be there like a, yeah. like a defy or GCW is more like going to a concert, you know, in a lot of ways. It's not like a bunch of people who are like, all right, what, what is this wrestling stuff? We're watching. No, they're like super passionate wrestling fans and they watch everything and they know who everybody is and they understand wrestling on such a deeper level than fans on a general indie show and us first coming up like it's so different it's so awesome and it's such a pleasure to be on a show like that i'm like man some of these freaking kids don't even know how good they got it now like this is so awesome just to have such a good relationship like it's such a pleasure to wrestle in front of those fans and i'm not trying to be like some kind of uh not trying to be corny you when i say it it's just it's awesome i think a lot of the mainstreams stereotypical feeling of a wrestling fan would be would be something that's not what it actually is wrestling fans on the whole today are so smart and so educated and so passionate as much as anything like uh 
fans of music Star or Wars, movies or yeah. comic books and you know kind of people that say like oh there's a bunch of nerds or whatever it's like no they're just smart and passionate and uh fuck off like it's a really <laughs> yeah, stupid way to look fuck at off, it like, yes. uh, but it, it's no different than yeah. you know comic books or movies or anything yeah. that people are passionate about yeah. you know and, like I'm one of these fans. Yeah. So we all just get to do this together. Let's take it back to like the beginning though, of you going into rehab. What was your head space leading up to that? Night sweats. I've never seen Crazy anything like it in sweats, my life. Crazy nightmares. My chemicals are all imbalanced. Yeah. Wacky mood swings. You can attest to all that. You know, yeah. When I no, say it hasn't been easy, you know, like the not drinking part is easy. It's not like I have some desire to drink. I have no desire to drink. It's I can't even I can't even imagine drinking right now. Like, yeah. It's so, so beyond like like that the not drinking is easy. We'll stop drinking. I wanted to stop drinking for a long time. I was trying to quit drinking for a long time. Mm-hmm. Just the uh dealing with all the after effects of what happens to you physically when your body goes through this crazy metamorphosis trying to re recalibrate itself has not been easy you know so and i'm doing i'm on national television while i'm going through these fucking problems you know it's actually so like, it's like in front of yeah. everybody it sucks i mean a lot of people in my position would have been uh would have stayed in rehab a lot longer uh would have stayed in hiding a lot longer you know, yeah. i was three months later the one therapist chick I had straight up told me to retire yeah. She was like, start a wrestling school, train some kids. She's like, you know what the problem is? You got to get out of there. I was like, I don't think it's that. But I mean, I was on, I went in on Halloween night and I was back on TV in January. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, it's great, but there are those up It makes me downs. a little self conscious, you know? Sure. Uh, I feel like everybody's staring at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also I also I kind of don't give a fuck. That was a big part about uh going to rehab was kind of the uh the relief of it that like now there's nothing to hide. Kind of figure I didn't know how people's reaction was gonna be. Like if people You had gonna, your phone off for a really long time too. Months. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you were in airplane mode for a long time. That was great. So when you first go into rehab they uh, take your phone. Which sucked for me. Yeah, I had to after, wait for you to like, call me from a pay phone every day. Good thing I remembered your number. Honestly, right? They take your phone. And after however long of you know good behavior, they'll eventually give it back to you so you can have your phone in rehab. So one day they called me to the front and they're like, you can have your phone back. And I was just feeling really good about everything. It was like so happy not having a phone. And I made a weird face and she's like, you don't have to take it. We can just keep it here and locked up if you want. And I was like, you just keep it. Yeah, and, I, and I went back the whole rest of the time. Yeah. Even when I left and went home, when I went into rehab, I lived in Vegas. When I got out of rehab, I didn't live in Vegas anymore. Well, talk about going like <laughs> so you I didn't, just went straight to the airport. You yeah, you didn't even you could, didn't even book your ticket on your phone. I just went to the airport old school with my ID and no phone. I had my phone, but I turned it off. I just, I like, went, even when I got out, I didn't turn on my phone. And I didn't turn it on for a long time. And I realized, like, how great it feels. The freedom Like, the that air is sweeter. Sounds and sights and everything are better. Like, and you don't have a, you don't have a TV. 
So it's just a room with a bed in it and a chair, a bathroom, no radio, no phone, no computer, nothing. You know, there's like a little library where you can read books and take them back to your room. That's about it. And your sleep is all messed up. Mm -hmm. Sleep is really hard to come by there. And it's still hard for you to sleep. And you're up, you know, at seven in the morning, you start all the activities and stuff, you know, so sleep is really hard to come by. And they come burst in your room like every hour to make sure you're not dead. So there's a lot of just sitting there staring at the ceiling, staring at the wall, you know, but it was great. Being disconnected eventually felt so great I like, bet. pretty quickly. Yeah. But I was like, I don't want to go That's back. That's a detox. I don't want to. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And people couldn't fathom it. A lot of people couldn't fathom not being like tied to their phone. But like we didn't have cell phones till how long ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. We went a long I mean, time people lived them. for a long time before phones were invented. You can do it. I promise Let's you. Let's talk about before you went into rehab. Like what was the buildup and for you... I guess like the breaking point or realizing like I have to go and get help. I mean, you said a second ago that like you wanted to quit drinking. It was something you were trying to do and wanted to do, but you, you had to go to rehab. Nothing bad happened. Yeah. I want to make that clear on my end too, is that like, yeah, nothing ever. I think people thought like maybe something went down. Yeah. I didn't go to jail. Nothing. Just like, I just couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. I was trying for like the longest time which sounds stupid. If you don't know, you just go, just stop drinking. Here's the thing too, that I think that I didn't really know until I started dealing with this, but, uh, but I don't know if you never had to really look into it. You just might not know is, uh, if you just stop drinking, if you drink a lot, you can die. Like I've always drank, drink beer all night, back in the day, whatever, sleep two hours, go out, wrestle 25 minutes. So you were like a high functioning alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just after the show, just get fucked up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Wake up the, yeah, next, wake up the next morning, sleep, sweat it out. Never yeah. had any problems. At some point, especially the first time I tried to stop, and I was experiencing uh, for the first time alcohol, at least that I remember, alcohol withdrawal, which is as bad as withdrawal from just about anything. And it's dangerous. And a lot more dangerous in a lot of ways. First thing they told me this, and that they're like, "Yeah, just quitting drinking cold turkey," you know, at a certain threshold, which I was at. It's the worst thing you can do. It's the most dangerous thing you can do. You can just go into cardiac arrest and die. Or what's really common is you have seizures. Something really bad can happen from that. That's what happened to Cass. I was terrified of that for the longest time. The feeling of it is like crushing physical anxiety. Not anxiety like you're nervous about something. The physical feeling of anxiety, like breathing's messed up, like you're like twitchy, like they call it the shakes because, you know, you're literally like shaking. And there are times it'd be like a TV and I feel like people are going to think that I'm like on drugs because I'm sober. So uh, a lot of times we'd be talking to people or doing whatever, I like have a little shot or a little flash or whatever just to mellow out because I'd be like, people are going to think that I'm on crack right now. So I was leveling myself out for like the longest time and that gets really tiring so like every night especially like tvs was like the longest days because i'd be having this like horrible like alcohol withdrawal at tv i was terrified i was gonna have a seizure on live tv or on a plane and like a plane would have to land or whatever. To so to avoid that. that happening on a plane i would just i would never be at an airport on a plane without being nicely buzzed 
if I didn't have time to like hit the bar before I get on the plane or it's like morning or the bars are closed or something, you know, whatever. I'd just be sitting on the plane, like, come on with the cart. Come on. Come on with the drinks. Like, yeah. Because yeah, I'm yeah. like. I didn't know that about I the mean, planes. I knew that with the other stuff, yeah. but I, I never thought about that. I was, real, I, was, I was real scared of like something catastrophic like that happening, you know? Yeah. So I was like really worried something like that was going to happen. And I just like, it was getting, I was just so exhausted with it because everything has to like revolve around staying level and like i couldn't just like i couldn't enjoy wrestling because i was just i was so worried about that and battling you know, all day because like, you can't go on tv and wrestle fucked up i had to be like sitting there worried going through withdrawal where you know it's so, like as soon as i got done like it's like this big wave of relief like oh, okay i got through another day got through another tv and didn't have a seizure and die on live tv sweet so I immediately start getting loaded because now it's been however long with it so and then you just end up drunk again <laughs> so yeah. it's like this never-ending cycle of hell like it was there was like months absolute hell it wasn't like okay i'm all stressed out and I had problems and like it wasn't like okay i need to go to rehab and talk about my feelings it was i'm going to die it can happen to anybody man like there's 100%. i don't i don't know what the threshold is but like once you start feeling like that uh those withdrawal symptoms, be it like alcohol or pills or whatever it is, that's when you're in trouble. Doing whatever you're doing to normalize yourself. You know, that that, you know, it's a it's a bad slope. So <laughs> so the night that you had to go in, you had come home, it was Halloween night, and that's when it was kind of like, okay, this has to happen right now. Yeah, yeah. It all happened. We were moving the next week. It was like Oh my God, everything was happening all at once. That was like a fucking trip. That was nuts. Yeah, like a lot of shit was happening at once. Like, cause we were getting ready to move. So we're dealing with all that. I was trying to sell a house, trying to buy a house. And the whole time I'm just, it's getting really bad. And I'm just trying to stay level, you and know? We have a four month baby. Yeah, oh, and we just had a baby. And I'm like, that's when I first tried to stop, you know, before she even came. And then yeah. that just made it worse. Like, and, uh, yeah, you can't be drunk when you're holding the baby, you know? No, so no. it was like obvious before the baby even got here that I was like, you got to stop drinking. It was just a lot harder to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I know you weren't on your phone and I mean, you're not on social media. Those are not like a thing that are in your life anyways, but knowing that this, that it was public information, that people knew that that's what happened. Much as that was a worry at first of like, why you don't want to do it because you're like oh i don't want to be known as that i don't want people to look at me as like a fuck up or a fucking addict or a drunk or i don't want to feel weird you know like it's embarrassing to a degree you know so people get their hands on it that's yeah. beforehand so I, I didn't tell anybody like i said it all happened in like 15 minutes like it, it was, was like fast. it was like i could feel the world closing in on me i think i knew subconsciously that it was like it was coming I know I had the, I had this one indie show for Sammy for Wrestling Revolver. That was the last show I did. Got through that last indie show for Sammy because I was like, I can't bail on this. You know, they're counting on me. And I think I was just like, I could feel like the world closing in on me because like people were texting me, like Eddie texted me, like you all right or something. And I'm like, yeah, why? And I'm like, so I knew you were like 
talking to people. Shout out to Eddie, by the way. <laughs> Eddie was honestly so like was one like, of those people I that I checked. Like, he checked in on me a lot. He was I was starting awesome. to feel like people were noticing whether they were or not. I knew you were. So I was like, I felt like the world was like closing in on me. I was in Des Moines. Got a Southwest flight. They don't serve booze on Southwest flights for, for some reason. Well, that was during like pandemic yeah, times. I guess, yeah. Right. So I knew that. So I was like, well, I'm getting loaded before I get on this plane, three hour flight. So I was like loaded when I landed, came home. I feel like you were already like mad at me. Or, I don't even know. Like you could just, I could just feel the entire world closing in on me. And I was just like, I cannot go another day like this. I, I, I can't go one more day. It happened in like minutes. Yeah. I was just like, I'm going to Rio. And you're like, okay. I call, <laughs> call the place. I was like, it was Halloween night. I was like, I didn't tell anybody else or anything. And I was just, I was standing outside. I'm on the uh, phone with that them. That was so Like giving trippy. them my information, or like my credit card information or something. And like uh, kids, kids are, are walking up to me while I'm on the phone with rehab. And they're like, trick or treat. I'm like, was- give me one second. I'm going to pop a <laughs> Snickers bar in here. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, one can be here. I'm like, uh, right now. And they're like, cool. Called Uber. It was maybe 10, 15 minutes away from the house. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. An hour after I walked into the door, I was just like walking into rehab. <laughs> it just was like, yeah, it was, it was over. So, and I was probably, I was probably in some kind of a stupor, you know, for a minute. But uh, what I was getting to with the when people finding out, I don't know what kind of state of mind I was in for the. I didn't. I felt really defeated for like the first day, just like really defeated. But then I got in a little payphone thing with you and you were like i was like what's the deal you said yeah i talked to tony and like mega and everything's cool they just want to know how you want to broach the subject because like i was advertised for a match so they're like do you want to tell people or uh, it's not like you were going to be off for like a weekend you were going to be off off obviously for like yeah or do you want to just say like it was up to me it was like we can mm-hmm. so and i was like uh i mean i guess i mean i'm not gonna lie the next day I talked to you on a little phone and they're like, yeah, they just like, everybody knows. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's okay. like some freedom with that almost. Right. Everybody knows I'm in rehab now. And like, I don't have a phone. So like, I'm not like, I don't know what the reaction is or anything, but I knew it was out there. Like a weight had been lifted off my shoulder. I just went, oh, fuck. Everybody knows. Yeah. Cause this thing is this thing I've been hiding and yeah. trying to hide from people for so long. Mm-hmm. The once there's like, oh, everybody knows. And Fuck yeah. them, I don't care. I remember like, feeling uh, the same <laughs> way too. Yeah, it was just a very much like fuck them. I don't care. They can call me whatever they want and call me whatever names they want. I don't give a shit. I'm doing what I gotta do for myself. Like fuck them. And credit to them. Like they were totally AEW Tony are like totally cool. He said if you never came back, that would have been cool. Like yeah, they, just, were they didn't bug me to come. They, you know, when I came back, it was because I just went like, well, I guess I should probably come back now. Everything, you know. Yeah. And your book came out that week too. (laughs) Your book was was dropping. The publishers are calling me, and I'm like, uh, uh. I think the book came out like days after second or something. Yeah. And uh, they they had this whole book tour plan and everything, and I didn't tell them. I just like you disappeared. Yeah. One day, stopped answering my phone. So that was another thing I missed. I didn't. I didn't get to enjoy after all the work of the book, which is a lot of work. I didn't get to enjoy any of the spoils of like it coming out and people yeah. enjoying it. And I've been waiting for, I've been excited <laughs> about it coming out to see hope that people enjoy it. And I didn't yeah. get to enjoy any. <laughs> oh my God. 
it's so crazy. But it was so- that's another great thing because it just took that whole stress off because I'm sure they're you know you did your I'm work. Sure, it didn't blow the literary world away, you know. So well, no, I think it actually it actually quite oh well, smashing but- success as far as like I've gotten so much positive feedback yeah. from people it's that great. I like that whose opinion really it makes me really happy that they enjoyed it that mm-hmm. like i i don't think that book could have been more of a success yeah. as far as i'm concerned yeah no i agree it was amazing uh, um okay let's fast forward so you you go to rehab you come back and now you're here i mean i don't know if, i guess we can kind of come to like present day where like you're still you know you were saying earlier how <laughs> oh, just recently you had that promo where you were saying like people have no idea how it's been and like what you've been through. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just this, like go to rehab, come back. And oh, oh, before we even get to that though, you saw that comparison of like, before you went to rehab to after when you came back and everyone's like, Holy shit. Oh, look, look at you. Yeah. I look like shit, huh? <laughs> A little puffy, but seeing now where people are like, Holy shit. Look at this guy. Like seeing you now, when you like come out, you're fucking shredded. You've got these abs. Like you literally look, 10 years younger well, a lot of people it actually started annoying me because people be like oh my god you look so good you're in such good shape <laughs> and i'm like i'm not uh. in good shape i actually am in shit shape because if you are gone for a period of time and then come back to wrestling nothing replicates actually wrestling for yeah. whatever reason you can do all the kettlebells you can do all the sprints you can do whatever you want until you get back in the ring you're not going to be in ring shape you know and uh dealing with like a hip injury, a leg injury, chemical balance is all fucked up and dealing with injuries. Like training's all fucked up because I have a tiny baby at home and that's hard. You know, it's just Yeah, as if that's not hard you. enough <laughs> like, alone, having like a brand new baby and anybody who has a like, kid knows it's exhausting. Totally. Then you add <laughs> all these other layers on it. It's like, oh my God, you want to like pull your hair out. Yeah, and like I'm busy and you're busy and we got the baby. We're trading the baby back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, like it's wild. But uh yeah. Oh my God. It, it's really crazy. Everyone says like that first year of having a baby, like really tests you. And this really was like those, like, holy shit, like white knuckling it. Jesus take the wheel. Yeah, like, it was, like, it was nuts. And my mood's been all messed up mm-hmm. and everything. And, like having a crying baby when you're like chemically imbalanced in the brain, I guess is the only way I could put it is like hard, you know, but it's great. I've become that guy. I'm like obsessed <laughs> with, obsessed with my baby. It wasn't at first, like a lot of people go, uh, the first time you ever hold your baby. And I was like, okay. And I heard that enough to where I was like, okay, I'm looking forward to that. This should be cool. Held the baby. Nothing. Nothing. Not John. nothing. <laughs> Not nothing. But it, <laughs> it was too surreal. It was like, <laughs> it was so surreal. But I'm like, and I, and I was terrified I was going to drop her or something. Well, it she was, was, I was, I had my C-section. So you were literally the first person that helped. Yeah, it happened I so was like quick, shaking. You, I had been in labor for 24 hours. Like it was, she was trying to nurse off of you. Yeah, she's trying to suck at my boob. I was like, I don't think that's what you're looking for, man. But yeah, it happened so quick that it's go pull it Where's out of you. And I'm like, huh? What? It, like, it, it was so surreal. And you're so scared and terrified and everything for the first few months or whatever. Well, you get the eat. And it's like, everybody tells you, you figure it out. You know what to do. Sure. Like your instincts take over and whatever the point was, you know, six, eight, 10 months or whatever. I'm just like, Oh, like now I totally get it. Like I'm so obsessed with this baby. I love her so much. Mm-hmm. I want to 
fucking puke. I know. It's disgusting. Like, God, I just want to. It's disgusting her. how much you can love something. It's crazy because I'm. I get to be madly in love with two women. Yes. Like I already have you, and now I've made another one of you. Isn't that the best? Oh my god! But it's crazy because she's actually so much of you. She is like you. It's so funny how many how much people say that. They're like, "Oh, your firstborn daughter is your husband," and that's Nora. Like, there's just something so special about that father daughter relationship. Like, I'm her mom. We have this, you know, we have that mother daughter relationship. But something about that father daughter relationship that is just yeah untouchable magic. The reaction you get from your dogs when you come home is always a really good feeling. When you come home off the road, dogs freak out, they jump up and they start <laughs> running around in circles, you know, and they always do that. I still got that, you know, but now it's like doubled because now you get the baby pop. Mm. The baby pop is it's a good pop. It feels good. <laughs> she <laughs> just, for people watching on YouTube, so John got home the other day and he got dropped off in an Uber and her and I are sitting on the lawn and he was like, like 20 yards away. She saw you and was like, ah! her hands go straight up because she wants John to come pick her up. Like that's her big thing is the hands go up to come get me, come get me. The reaction she has to seeing you just like, oh my God, it melts my entire body. Yeah. I die. I'm totally that guy now where I'm like, look at pictures of my baby. Check it out. <laughs> and they're like, nice picture. But I'm like, oh no, we're going to scroll through them all. <laughs> but there's more. <laughs> yeah. Like. But there's so many other people like that. I have text conversations with people that basically we just send pictures <laughs> of our babies to each other. <laughs> like people who have the babies know that like I need somebody to show us picture to and you're going to look at it. Oh my and, God. You know, you just volume back and forth, you know? Yeah. I feel like a bunch of people oof. had babies like all around the same time. Yeah. You know? and, it's nice. It is nice to have so many friends that all have like babies and we can all just like, Fun yeah, group chat. Comparison, you know. <laughs> They're just the best. What is your memory of doing Talking Snack? So I enjoyed it in the sense of sometimes I was trying to get fired, like bringing up fisting yeah. on, uh, on, on Talking Smack. I was the trying hog. To- the hog. Oh God, I forgot about the hog. Doing a whole bit for weeks on end. And when they told me after I'd done it the first time, don't talk about James Ellsworth having a huge hog. <laughs> uh, and I would just bring it up constantly because I was so frustrated at not being cleared to wrestle that I was just, I was ready to go. And also sometimes they would bring me to TV just to do Talking Smack. It was a hit television show. Of course they did. It wasn't so hit <laughs> that they kept it going. So Yeah, I mean, so, it lives yeah. on now. Not to what we were doing, but it does still kind of exist to a degree. What do you mean? It's, it's still a show. We're Talking just not Smack on is it. a show? It is, right? No. I think it is. Nah. They do like raw talk and talking smack. It's much different from what you and I were doing. Oh, okay. Now it's like a polished in a studio show. Oh, okay. We were like, we had like no backdrop. We had like Nobody's, Rhino was coming in dressed as Santa Claus and shit. Like we. N- nobody's accusing AJ Styles of being a flat earther. <laughs> is that <laughs> is that not happening on their shows? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where it got kiboshed. Okay. Okay. So I always loved doing that show, but yeah, yeah, it was a really interesting time in your career where I was like, well, I'm reaping the benefits of working with a man who like, it's a really special place when you like, don't give a shit. 
and you can just have fun. You don't really care what the repercussions are going to be. So I was loving that, but I know for you, it was like definitely a weird part in your career where it was like, what's happening? Yeah. So uh, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed that really made me laugh. We had one episode. It was really, really great. Alexa Bliss is on. Maybe she had just lost the championship or something like that. I don't remember exactly the thing, but I had said something to her. And then she's also like, and the Patriots just lost the Super Bowl. And, but this was on a Tuesday. The Super Bowl was Sunday. That's when they had that great comeback in the fourth (laughs) quarter. And there was a writer in the back saying, see something about the Patriots. She didn't know what was going on, so she said, and the Patriots lost. I was like, well, great news. (laughs) I'm sure you've missed it, but the Patriots actually won. (laughs) They came back, and she was just so like, ah. I, I well, don't know. that was like that was a very funny the moment Miz on that one, show. The Miz one. I mean, the Miz one's kind of the most epic thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, well, we don't need to like harp on this, but what is like your recollection of that show in that moment when that was all going down with you and Mike? Part of me like doesn't want to let the cat out of the bag, but part of me loves the story. <laughs> Tell the story. Tell the story. Tell the story. I think, I think, I think Mike may may have told the story already, so maybe the cat's already out of the bag. The cat left the bag and is in the alley. Let's okay. get to it. So, Miz was very frustrated. He was Intercontinental Champion and wasn't being on TV much. I was very frustrated that they weren't clearing me to wrestle, despite numerous doctors having cleared me to wrestle. And and you know, I understand why, but that's a long story anyway. So. Just oh, getting we'll get to the to point of, of my frustration. So we came up with this thing, and the original plan that Mike and I had come up with was I was going to fucking deck him. We wanted to get under each other's skin so much that it was plausible that I would legit be angry enough to punch him. And so that was the intent. And the idea was either they're going to fire me or it's going to make people want to see the match so much yeah. that they're going to have to clear me to wrestle. But then Mike did such a great job, intuitively I felt it was better to walk off. Interesting. And, like, and, and leave him, because it was also like, God, this is so good, leave him with his heat. Right. And it was like. He was like in tears. He had he tears was in his so, eyes. He was so good. He yeah. was magic. Yeah, he was. He was magic. And I think that's the thing. Mike and I don't like each other, legitimately. But Mike is also somebody that I respect a lot for working very, very hard. And so... Like when he was just going off and I was like, this is so good. It'd be so good if I punched him. But maybe it would resonate more and be better for him. Right. So that's, that's what happened. So yeah, and then everybody, including Maurice, was like, what is going on? Yes. Why, are, why is this happening? And when they cut to me, I'm like, and we're going to take a quick commercial <laughs> break. Uh, not really sure what's happening here. So, yeah. so if you had actually decked him... I might have blacked out because it was so tense oh. sitting between the two of you. And I'm like, oh, something bad's happening here. <laughs> if you had actually physically attacked him, yeah, I would have passed out on the desk. So yeah. I guess thanks for that. But it would have been good television too. It would have been great television. It might have gotten canceled, and I'm, but I might have gotten fired. It would have been, I don't know. There would have been pluses and minuses. Well, the show got canceled, and you don't work there anymore anyways. So yeah. here yeah. we are. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Um, okay, what was that last year like for you with wwe oh it's magic uh it i mean you laugh thinking that i'm lying but it's not nobody else has said this i loved wrestling in front of no people 
I specifically loved wrestling in the performance center with no noise. Yeah. Because it was like, whoa, this is wild. I remember, like, was it you and AJ did like a two out of three falls match or something like that that was like really yeah, crazy? Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of proud of that, but that wasn't that wasn't what I'm into. Okay. Because there were people there. They had the uh, oh, people the who were trained. Yeah, the NXT people who were like, they're not really cheering like any like a crowd would like emotionally, right? So they're just cheering because they're supposed to cheer. And then when it goes to commercial break, we stop and everybody just stops and everybody just sits down. <laughs> and then they're like, okay, what are we? Yeah. What are we gonna do next, right? And uh, but I love like the performance center with no Thunderdome. Just like me and Drew Gulak, we're just doing <laughs> yeah. doing wild stuff. I wrestled uh, Claudio, and uh, we were just talking about that the other day. It was a lot of fun. And yeah. then the um, I was a little bit a part of the creative team. What was that like? Because I remember hearing that that you were part of the creative team, and like, how did that come about? And like, even for you to like accept that position, we all know what that position can be like. Yeah, obviously so, different for you, but so the pandemic was happening. Somebody in one of my segments, it was right before Brie was about to give birth to our son, Buddy. And it was like a month before that, somebody in one of my segments had gotten COVID. Oh, shit. And they called me and said, hey, you were in a segment with somebody who got COVID. A bunch of people in the segment got COVID. You might have COVID. I tested. I didn't have COVID. But then I said, I'm probably not coming to work. Yeah. I, I requested. I didn't say, like, hey, I'm absolutely not coming to work. I'd say, like, Hey, I don't think I should come to work. My wife's pregnant. We yeah. didn't, you know, uh, do soon. And so, so anyways, um, so they were completely fine with that. They were great with that. And then Bruce Pritchard called me and, uh, and said, Hey, I know you're gone, but would you like to be a part of the creative team, be a part of the meetings and stuff like that, that they were doing all through zoom and all that kind of stuff anyways. And I said, yeah. And so, uh, I did that. Huh. I, I loved it. Um, I know a lot of people have talked a lot of crap about writers or... Oh, thankless job. Yeah, it's but, a thankless yeah. job. I think there's a lot of smart, fun writers. Absolutely. Um, that I loved working with. Uh, I would always think that too, because like you see those writers and like obviously they, they have amazing resumes. They are smart, brilliant people. You're just working within certain circumstances, but they're yeah. amazing. And so, and like there was a, there's a writer, I hope he still works there. I think sometimes... People sometimes reach out to me via text, but I never check my phone. And then I'm like, I have over 3,000 unread text yeah, messages Yeah, I'm pretty sure I texted phone. you months and months ago to do this show and you didn't respond to me. <laughs> text, text is a bad way to get a hold of me. I'll text you, yeah, Brie next yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, texting Brie is the most efficient way to... <laughs> people uh, do that so, to me too. It's bullshit. People yeah. always message me for John. It's so not fair. Yeah, well, we've got the game figured out. Mm -hmm. You, uh, yeah. So like Ryan Callahan, who is... Um, one of, if not the lead SmackDown writer at the time. We would talk about SmackDown sometimes on Mondays. He's like, hey, I'd like to run some ideas by you, and we talk. But then we just talk afterwards. I love Ryan. Like, I loved dealing with Bruce Pritchard. Like, I know some people talk bad about Bruce. I love Bruce. Like, mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I loved working with the writers. Jen, I forget Jen. Jen Pepperman. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Jen is She's hilarious. Great. I love yeah, Jen. And she won yeah. two Emmys. She's amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so people that want to like talk shit on the writing team, they are very qualified, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well <laughs> they're so you know. not only are they qualified, they're fun people to yeah. be around. If you if you're if you can ex accept that they're not wrestlers, yes. right? Yeah. And they're just like, hey, this is a fun person to talk to. Yeah. Like I find I found, uh, God, uh, Kirsch. Kirsch. 
Kirsch. I knew it was gonna Kirsch. be Kirsch. He, uh, he's the best. He's the best. Yeah, yeah love yeah. Kirsch. Yeah, so many, so many people are just so much fun. So what went? So you had such a great time. You, ha- I mean, shit. You look at the career you were able to have at WWE. You got to do so many amazing things. What came down to you deciding to part ways with them? So people think I had two options between WWE and AEW, and the reality is was that I was considering three options which was WWE, AEW, or just not being a full-time wrestler anymore and just being more of a full-time dad. Yeah. Um, when I told that to Brie with the money that each company was offering me, she, I think she wanted to kill me. She might, she might, have, she might have wanted to kill me. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, so that was, so, uh, but really it came down to a little bit schedule, um, a little bit of creative freedom, and also just this idea of, I had been there for so long. Yeah. Maybe something a little bit new would be fun. I also kind of wanted to bleed. And <laughs> Okay. And so, which is a weird thing to say. Other, Let's unpack that a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so what, what is the deal? There is something. So if you were to ask me to bleed right now I, in front of however many people we have Call here. Me the hard way, you brother? I would say... No, thanks. That doesn't sound like fun. You get in front of a thousand people in the moment inside a wrestling ring bleeding. There's something about it that just makes you feel very alive, right? It's just Is like, it like the blood in your eyes, in your mouth? I don't You're know. fighting for your life a I little harder? I don't know what it is. There's just something to it. Okay, so you wanted to go to AW. You wanted to do this different style. You kind of wanted to just, especially at this, this age mm-hmm. as well, to like see what this... I don't want to call it like a last run, but like really strong years of like kind of being in your prime, right? Mm-hmm. Of just kind of figuring out like what else can you do? You're a man that is like a wrestler's wrestler. Was there also, I don't know if I like read this somewhere. Was there an option of you maybe staying with WWE and also doing dates with New Japan? Yeah, I think they were trying to make that work out. Yeah. Which it eventually did not work out. Did not. So, um, which I think is good for everybody. 100%. So. Definitely. So, yeah. So, what was the moments like between you leaving WWE and then going to AEW? Well, I took uh, five months off. Yeah. And it was great because I didn't really watch wrestling or think about wrestling for kind of the first time in my life. And I just spent time with my kids and we were in Tahoe and we were hiking and we were just doing, it was amazing, which is why the third option (laughs) of not going anywhere was very appealing to me. I get it. When you get to spend time with your kids like that and just kind of step away, and you've already been able to scratch that itch for Mm -hmm. so long. I mean, of course, there's things that you want to do and all that, but when you see your kids and you get to hang out with them, I definitely get, like, even times for me, I'm like, should I just hang at home with this baby right now? Because it's really a good time. It's lovely. It's so, so nice. Um, Let's go back to when you retired. Okay. What all went into, I mean, I know obviously the medical side of things of you having to retire, but having to go out and actually like cut that promo, we were in Washington when you retired as well, Mm -hmm. right? Your mom was in the crowd? My mom was in the crowd. A couple of my friends were in the crowd. Uh, Yeah, it was weird because um, Vince McMahon had called me on the Saturday. It was a Monday when I came out and gave the speech. He called me on a Saturday and said, we're not going to clear you. I'd like you to announce your retirement on Monday because people at that point, it's getting close to WrestleMania. People are wanting me to come back. I'm wanting to come back. Like, let's just get everything out of the way. Don't, 
give them hope. And uh, what better place to do it than in Seattle, where you're from, that sort of thing. And at first, I was like, oh, I got to think about it. And then I talked to Bree. Like, they're not going to let me wrestle. I might as well be able to do it in front of my friends and family in the building where my dad last saw me wrestle, yeah. which was, like, very emotional for me. Um, and so, yeah. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a really hard day. <laughs> it, was a hard, it was a hard day. So even leading up to that day, though, like, having that conversation with Vince and swallowing that pill of, like, I've got to walk away from this right now. Like, what were those conversations you were having with yourself, the conversations you were having with Bree, with your family? Like, what? I can't imagine somebody saying, you can't do this thing you love anymore. Yeah, so it was hard, but it wasn't as hard as it sounds, and it's, uh, especially with how much I love wrestling, because once I did the speech and... I stepped away. I wasn't around wrestling. Yeah. So I started, oh, God. But then we had to film Total Bellas. Jesus. <laughs> okay, that's the part I forgot. Yeah. Okay, so then shortly after this, so I have to give this retirement speech. And then I have to go live in John Cena's house. woo like, Take off your shoes. Because, because we're, filming, we're filming Total Bellas. I hate, 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 hate. I don't hate many things. I hate filming reality television. What do you television. hate the most about it? All of it. It's just like you're constantly changing clothes on mm. the same day to go film something to pretend like it's a different day. <laughs> this is supposed to be reality. Can't I just wear my, my same clothes? And they're like, no, you cannot. You just have a uniform like John, and, white T-shirt and jeans. And I also, it was really hard because, you know, like when you're going through something like Retiring, this thing that you love gets taken away from you. You'd like to be around friends and family. Bree was on the road full time with wrestling. So she was leaving on like Fridays, not coming back till Wednesdays. We'd film Wednesday, Thursday. Ooh. She leaves on Friday. I'm in John Cena's guest house. There's all these rules. I've got the dog. And like, it's, it's, it was just like, I love John, right? Yeah. I think John, John's great, but that's not the ideal thing to be in. And then the, they manufacture these arguments Ugh. that sometimes turn into real arguments. <laughs> and then one of the real arguments got real, real. Oh, shit. And then it was like, oh, Jesus, I don't want to be here anymore. So I just left. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, it was bad. You and John had an argument? No, 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 no. It, it actually started with me and Nicole having an argument uh -oh. about because Bree and I had bought this property. We were going to build a house. I wanted it to be a smaller house. Nicole wanted it to be a bigger house. It's not your house. It's my house. <laughs> then it got into this thing about, oh, gosh. Yeah, so th this. <laughs> Let's roll up our sleeves. Okay. Let's get into it. <laughs> it got into this thing about deserving stuff, right? Oh, shit. About deserving this or deserving that or whatever it is. And my opinion on all of it is that none of us deserve these things that we've gotten. For example... I've met a lot of fantastic wrestlers along the way who never got to where I was purely because of luck, good or bad, good luck on my side, bad luck on their side. When you look at somebody like Nigel McGuinness, right. who in theory, the only reason he wasn't me or more successful because he was honest about tearing his bicep and I lied about concussions and seizures. Yeah. And that wasn't a thing that I went into the doctor. And when, they, when they're asking you these questions, it wasn't like I was thinking like, oh, I got to lie to him about my concussion thing. They ask, and in my, that 
part of your brain that just reacts on instinct that I said, oh, no, you know, I'm good. And like, yeah. and his thing was like, well, I got to tell him about my bicep tear or whatever. And that's the difference between me getting to where I got yeah. and then him never having a match in WWE, yeah. right? So anyways, when we get back to the deserving stuff, somebody deserving a bigger house, when a bigger house is worse for the planet and all that kind of stuff. And Brie and I had talked and that's, didn't even seem to be what she wanted anyways. And then we get into this big thing and then just left. Didn't go to Kathy's wedding, which I feel really bad about. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was bad. Yikes. Yeah. How long did it take for you guys to make up? I mean, you and Nicole are really close. We apologized and had like that day, but it had put me in a mental state where mm. I was. I mean, if there was, if there was ever, that, that's the closest I've ever come to like, okay, this is, yeah. I'm done. Oh my God! With, with all of it, it was. A, I was not ready yeah. for the yeah, story. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Was it so. not have that written down? It was not a yeah. question. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, let's talk about the worst day of your <laughs> life. Can we? Can we talk about I mean, that? I one? do like to get people emotional on the show. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't you, get super emotional about it now. No, I, mean, I love my life now. Yeah, you got a great life. I got a great life. Great yeah. life. Hot wife. Cute kids. It's Hot wife. Out. Cute kids. Yeah. Good career. It's good all happening. Career. Um, and not to take away from those amazing, uh, beautiful things, but you mentioned the concussions and the seizures. Um, when you're going through those things, I mean, you were just out uh, recently with injury uh, again. What, what kind of goes into that? What goes into you being medically cleared again? What is like that process? Well, so, so seeing a neurologist, um, and it was interesting, this last one, he said, you know, after you start feeling better, we're going to have to uh, have a serious talk about your long-term mm -hmm. uh, long health. And I thought what that meant was, after you feel better, I'm going to talk to you about not wrestling anymore. Okay. And that's, that's kind of where I thought he was going. And then my brain scans came back so goddamn good that, <laughs> that, not, a, that not a single person could say anything about, uh, about it. You know, and I think... You know, it's interesting because um, I do put a lot of work and effort into keeping my brain healthy and doing things outside of, of normal stuff to yeah. keep my brain healthy. And so, uh, so I think that's paying dividends a little bit. And so, so, yeah. Tell me about some of that stuff, though, because, okay, so you have to retire mm -hmm. due to the concussions, due to all these circumstances. And yeah, you took matters into your own hands. Everyone told you not to wrestle. You went and did your thing. What does that mean? What did well, you do? Well, to say everybody told me not to wrestle, that's a bit of a stretch. Because I oh. was cleared. But that was the frustrating part, is that I was cleared by several neurologists. Okay. But not the one that mattered most. And then, the, and then there were two neurologists otherwise who wouldn't clear me. And so it became like kind of a mixed issue. Right. Err on the side of caution type thing. Um, but, you know, the developments in medicine and science are so much better now. And so uh, there's a lot of stuff like hyperbaric oxygen therapy and all this kind of stuff that, How you know, often do you do that? Like, what is so, that? I hear these words and I don't oh, actually know what that is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody cares. Oh, okay. Uh, well, but <laughs> I was somewhat interested. But for those but of you who do care. Google it. It's, uh, yeah. It's being placed in uh, uh, like kind of a tube where... It's 1.5 atmospheres of pressure, lots of oxygen being flooded into your brain, 
lot of the military is doing it for people who have had concussions and all that kind of stuff in military things and that sort of thing. But it's not FDA approved yet, so it's not, for example, I mean, all that stuff's a long process. So anyways, yeah. I did that where a uh, hundred sessions of that where I'm in there for an hour and a half each time. That sounds like um, a claustrophobic nightmare. Oh, I love a good uh, uncomfortable claustrophobia. Mm. I think it's a good chance to like really practice Zen and meditation. Um, and that's a real thing. Like you put me in an that's uncomfortable. That's literally giving me like anxiety. I'd have a heart attack. You put me in an uncomfortable position. My first thing is to freak out. And then shortly after that, I'm like, can I stay calm in this position? <laughs> and in most cases, it's yes. But there cases, has been a no. Yeah. Uh, so when I was before I had my neck surgery in 2014, they were, um, my God, I forget what it's called. The long needles. Oh. The long ones. The like. Um, um, yeah. Shit. They what were is doing. They were doing something to alleviate the uh, the pain. What was it? No, not not acupuncture, right? No, 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 no. Not like the like needle, no, 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 needle. Yeah, yeah. No, we're the, talking the good stuff like, here. Uh, epidural style. Yeah, <laughs> epidural style. And so it was like, uh, so they had me. I was face down, and you know they numb up your whole back, so I'm not supposed to feel anything. And then all of a sudden, I got the worst pain I'd ever felt in my life, and the needle, this giant needle, had hit the nerve. <gasps> and uh, and the doctor was like, "Oh God!" And like he said, "Oh God!" And then. <laughs> I, Abort mission. I screamed out, fuck! <laughs> and uh, and then, then they're like, well, we're already here. Do you want us to do it? <laughs> and I was like, do you want us to try again? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, then they finish, and then they come up to me with all these waivers. Oh, and they said, shit. we forgot to have you sign the waiver. <laughs> and I'm great. just trying to, like, like, I'm trying to just, like, not die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so I signed the waivers, and uh, and yeah, finding Zen in that moment, I was not, I was not capable. Oh, that's horrifying. I, yeah. yeah, it happens sometimes. Yeah, I was already in such a state of panic when I was getting my epidural that I was like, just do whatever you got to do back there. Do whatever you we'll do. We'll get through this. Do whatever it's you all do. going to be fine. Okay, so you are reading, you're learning, you're hyperbaric chambering, all of these great things. You get medically cleared to get back in the ring when it was announced that you were coming out of retirement. I remember like we were in San Antonio. I remember that being like, wait, what the fuck just happened? What was that like on your end? Everyone else was rattled. Oh, it was wild uh, in the sense of, so I was in the Middle East somewhere doing a signing in um, the Bahrain Comic-Con is where I was. Flew to Pittsburgh uh, did all these evaluations, got cleared by Dr. Maroon, which um, actually made me cry. Flew that night, no, flew the next morning from Pittsburgh to Texas, slept in, got all these text messages on my phone at like 3 p.m. Where are you? You should be at the building. <laughs> and, uh, You're booked, bud. And I was like, oh, okay. And then um, they kind of let me say whatever I wanted, other, you know, and just saying, you're cleared. Like, you know, I was very lucky in the sense of for a lot of my time, I would collaborate with writers. I wasn't just given a script and said, hey, say this. Yeah. And, um, and that was really nice. It was fun. So I, so yeah, 
So that was it. And then... Um, Let's just like rewind here for a quick second okay. to you having that conversation with Dr. Maroon. It wasn't a conversation. He had already left. <laughs> <laughs> Would he, he leave you a fucking memo? What happened? He did actually write me a very nice note. Dr. Maroon and I have a great relationship and you would think it would be different because he was the, the doctor who wouldn't clear me. But I also knew that he was looking out for my health and the best interest of me. And so, uh, so yeah, I have a, it's really weird because you have these conflicting relationships with people as far as like, he is not clearing me. I desire to be cleared. You'd think we would have conflict, but we don't. We came to an understanding. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like me and Vince. I think it actually made my relationship with Vince McMahon stronger. Yeah. Probably it's talked to him so much more. Yeah. 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 And then like also being clear about why he's, he's not clearing me or all that kind of stuff. And then, and then when you really talk to people, um, I think even people who have very different opinions than you, for example, Mayor, Mayor Kane and I have very differing. Yeah. That's a big whoops a daisy. Yeah. <laughs> very, very <laughs> differing, um, political opinions. But when you come to talk to him and like really yeah. talk to him, I think the differences are like social media aggravates yeah. the differences rather than makes you feel like most of us are pretty similar and most of us want the best for everybody, but think may think different things are better because of this or because of that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's been an interesting follow as of late. Um, AEW. Mm -hmm. The night that you debuted, you and Adam Cole, same night. How did you feel being out in front of a new crowd, coming back as the American Dragon, Brian Danielson? Uh, it was cool. I mean, just the energy of it was awesome. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was weird, though, because I was in like the, I was in like a trailer, yeah. right? In a trailer, like waiting and then like sometimes people would come in and sometimes they, they wouldn't. And then, so I was just like, oh, so I go and do this thing. And then all of a sudden I'm meeting all these new people right after. And it was really, <laughs> hey, really yeah. stressful because I'm bad at remembering names. Blackpool Combat Club. Okay. When you, how, like, how did this idea come together for you guys to be working together? It started really with you and John. And then it's obviously branched out to you guys having this amazing group. But starting with you and John. It came about just very organically. And it was just this idea of how do we make me and John's match more interesting when John came back. The original idea was, uh, okay, you guys get into a confrontation, you're watching the matches, and then you know, you're like, I want you, or whatever it is. And I was like, what's more interesting is if my original idea to fight him, or was not to fight him, would just be to join him. Well, why do I want to join him? Uh, to make wrestling better. <laughs> well, what else could we do? And then like, in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, how could I convince him that I'm not just trying to fool him, mm -hmm. that I actually want him to do this thing? So then I cut a promo and saying like, imagine the world that we could create if like you and I team together and we take some young guys and we take them under our wing, we fucking teach them how this, how this, how this business should be, goddammit. And like, uh, <laughs> and when we got to the back after the thing, John was like, yeah, you were pretty persuasive out there. <laughs> I'm in. And then I think... Persuasive enough that we just joined, <laughs> we just joined together after we fought. So yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of how it, it it all came about. And the serendipitous timing of William Regal becoming available for you guys. I mean, the storyline. Obviously, I mean, Regal's such a, a, a common thread throughout your entire career. Same with John. Um, and for him to become available to come in and work with you guys. Yeah, he's perfect. God, he's so great. And uh, 
even without Blackpool Combat Club or whatever, I just like being able to see him every week. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. he's uh he's more uh, of a mentor to me than most people know. If you want something that's a little on the emotional side, so my dad struggled with alcoholism my entire life. And that's why I've never drank anything like that. And that was something that I always really struggled with. William Regal, because he's struggled with addiction in the past, helped me learn to love my dad without trying to change him. Like just yeah. learn to love him as, as he was. Yeah. And, um, and so that was, uh, so just being able to be around Darren every week is just like a, it's a real gift. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there, and you can see us talking Having this interview, having a hangout, it's all up on there. Um, and that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, we like filtering through them all, reading about them. Maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.